Israel, all of those things happen. People use cars to kill people, people stab people, suicide bombers, all of those things happen. And they are not a daily occurrence, but a very, very frequent occurrence. And yet somehow Israel has managed to put into place sensible gun laws at the same time. These things are not mutually exclusive. This is the Mideast Beast Podcast. You are listening to Molly Livingstone here in Jerusalem and across the pond, Alex Giles in London. We are here a day after the Las Vegas attack, one of the biggest shootings in modern American history. Something like almost 60 people have been killed, 500 people injured. Alex, you wanted to talk about this to actually compare gun laws and crime and violence here in the Middle East, around the world, and of course, America. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, this is one of those mornings when you wake up and you, you know, it's, there's not a lot of funny things to say. I'll warn everyone in the next, who's thinking, listening to this for the next 15 minutes, there ain't going to be many jokes. But I thought, yeah, as you say, I thought, well, first of all, we'd chat about Israel and its gun laws. I mean, obviously, talking about Syria and gun laws would not <laughs> be very funny. hand them out with the candy. Yeah, hand them know. out with the candy. But let's talk about Israel, because I suspect that um, perhaps particularly Americans that are listening to this right now, if I was to suggest that the introduction of the gun laws that exist in Israel would be a good model for America, I suspect that a lot of Americans would straight off who are gun owners, would think, yes, that sounds like a good idea because I'm sure Israeli gun laws are quite um, liberal. But in fact, they're not. Not a lot of people outside of, of Israel really appreciate that. So very quickly, just for those yeah, that do don't tell. know, just for those that don't know, obviously in Israel, of course, you have national service. So that's a, a completely separate thing. And if you are serving in uniform, on or off duty, you will be carrying your weapon. And that's why, Molly, obviously, you're, you're sitting there in Jerusalem and it is completely common for you to be walking down the road and there's a couple of 19-year-olds in camouflage with assault rifles slung over yeah. their shoulders. M16s, M4s, yep. it's something that shocks tourists again and again. And for me, the longer I live here, the more used to it I get. It's just a part of the outfit. America, yep. businessmen wear ties, and here, 18-year-olds wear guns. Yeah, because, you know, in America, there's a whole thing about, in Texas, for example, and many other places, Nevada, Las Vegas, where you have open carry laws and so you have these guys often should we say slightly out of shape carrying m4s over their back because it's their god-given right obviously they're in no danger beyond serious cardiac arrest from the amount of weight they're carrying around um but totally different in israel you know when you see people and i've been there myself and you see these young guys girls walking along but they are clearly you know serving and off duty perhaps on the way their way home yeah. so that so that's you a say camouflage thing. but just so you know they wear guns to the beach <laughs> they wear yeah. guns to yeah. the bar yeah and yeah. there will be people that'll say that's kind of sexy hot i might be one of them <laughs> even when it's a girl i mean it's probably hotter okay so we've established that guns guns they are everywhere in israel they are but that i think confuses the issue about what civilians are allowed to do in israel and basically only a certain number of retired military personnel retired military personnel if you were in a job that might make you a target for attack afterwards so for example perhaps if you're in an intelligence organization or your ex-special forces or something like that police officers prison guards off duty carry firearms 
If you're in the frontier towns, Golan Heights and the West Bank, for example, uh, licensed hunters, animal control officers, all sorts of sensible things like that. I think if you're in the jewellery business, for example, and you're transporting high-value goods, you can have a firearm. But yeah, the restrictions on that are, are important. You've got to have completed military service if you want a firearm at the age of 21. Otherwise, it's 27, 45 for non-citizens. You must have been a resident of the country for three consecutive years. You must, and this is going to make people, certain people froth at the mouth, you must pass a background check, criminal health and mental history. You have to establish a genuine reason for possessing a firearm. It is not a right. It is a privilege. So you've got to say, I need it for self-defence or for hunting or sport. You must pass a weapons training course which i think is absolutely vital you don't just get handy one you've got to prove that you can use it responsibly about 40 percent of people that apply are rejected and you have to renew your license every three years you and you have to undergo that psychological assessment every six years you have to have a safe place at your residence to keep the firearm you must have a safe and you can only purchase 50 rounds of ammunition for your pistol in a year. So you can obviously top that up if you go to the firing range to test, but you can only have 50 rounds in your possession uh, at any one time. Those are the Israeli laws, you know, more or less. And right. I mean, Molly, you live there. Your husband carries a sidearm, I, I understand. He carries one for work as an archaeologist, which is pretty nuts if you think about it. But he Those is... dinosaurs are dangerous. <laughs> Second he joke. So we angry do some at jokes. you. He would he would probably shoot you for saying that because he would say that he does not excavate dinosaurs. That is not his job. By the way, there are no dinosaurs in Israel, hence no oil. We're screwed. But aside from that, yes. He has a gun. A lot of my friends have guns, especially in my neighborhood. We are half considered over the green line, half no man's land, and half in Jerusalem proper. Whatever that is, it gives you a right, as you were suggesting, to yes, if you want to own a firearm. Even some of my girlfriends have applied for one. I have not because I would shoot myself in the foot. But it is a hard process. I think there are mental tests more often than what you said there. That might be because businesses choose to have that. Mm -hmm. But everyone, everyone has guns, especially in Jerusalem. They are so commonplace. And here's the opposite I obviously grew up in L.A. Fairfax High School was one of the first places to have a school shooting right near where I lived in the 90s. That became more modern place as the time went on. And when you would see a gun in America, for me, at least growing up in L.A., that was terrifying. That's bad news. When I see a gun in Jerusalem, I feel safe. Because often these guns are used only to stop attacks. And they're carefully used. They're shot in the air as warnings often, if needed. And then if it's a clear terrorist attack, like we've had with tractors in Jerusalem, that is a obvious situation when you're mowing down people. But it is really, as you said, a privilege. And even at my son's school, they have a security guard with a gun and frankly as parents we'd like to have more security guards with more guns which goes well, against everything i believe in by the way no i understand <laughs> that but i think you know for me it is the concept of actually being trained to use it i mean frankly there is nothing more 
more dangerous than someone with a firearm that doesn't have any training. And, and, and I should say, obviously, I'm, I'm British, you might have guessed this, so a lot of people, again, that are big fans of unrestricted gun laws in the US look at the UK and say, oh, you know, you're not allowed guns anymore, and that's basically true. I was a gun owner until 1996, yeah, I just can't picture it. But um, you, yeah, yeah, with this accent as well. I, I owned what would be a, a similar handgun to your husband's. I belonged to a gun club. I actually taught other people to shoot. And I kept that gun actually in a safe at the gun club. I didn't have a, a safe at home. I didn't feel any need to have it at home. But there were often cases when I was physically carrying it in a case between the club and a shooting range somewhere else to go to a competition. So I was often armed, if you will. But uh, as people may or may not know, in 1996, we had a, a mass shooting up in Scotland, in Dunblane, when 15 children, uh, small children, were killed by a psychopath who then took his own life. Um, and and uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and at that point, uh, there was a decision made by the government to ban handguns in their entirety. And I handed mine in. I was paid the going rate for it. So I was not out of pocket, but I handed mine into a police station and it was melted down. That's 20 years ago now. They commemorated the 20th anniversary of that shooting just last year. And I was completely uh, understanding, as, as were pretty much, I would say, most of the people that belonged to my gun club. There was a debate at the time, and there were people quite clearly that were upset by the decision. But in general, everyone you know went along with it. And since then, that's 20-odd years, uh, I think that it's fair to say there have been two, I believe, mass shootings mass shooting being defined as four people excluding the actual shooter if he kills himself there have been two mass shootings in the uk where four or more people have been killed um right. your a, thing now is acid in your face right that's yeah what I, I mean about. yeah i saw this a lot of people were you know were going on about this i mean that's a it's just a way of diverting you know attention to, to things i mean there have been a spate recently in london in particular where street robbers have been using not strictly acid, but noxious chemicals to distract people when they've been trying to steal their phone or, or whatever. Now, it's an horrendous, horrible thing, and, you know, the police are trying to deal with that, but it's... it's well, put it this way, it's a completely different thing from having 19 high-powered rifles, um, which is what this guy in Las Vegas had, 19 high-powered rifles, fully automatic, and killing 60 people with pretty much impunity. <sighs> When you're saying these numbers, I'm just like going through my head and thinking as someone who lives in the Middle East and who lives in Israel's, first of all, how did he even get that many guns into a hotel? It's crazy to me. He had thousands of rounds of ammunition there. He had stuff in his car, explosives. Mm -hmm devices he had stuff back at home and he never even got so much as a parking ticket he's an accountant we can say and i know we want to talk about this because he wasn't brown or muslim it's not being called a terrorist attack as of yet they don't have a real motive as we're recording this it's not even clear his own family can't figure it out so what is going on in america that this is happening, that this is happening in a first world top country. There are random shootings. There are suicides with guns. There are murders. Not the average level, right? Not the Israeli level, not the English level, not the Icelandic level, even though that's pretty high. What is going on? Alex, what's going on? <laughs> 
<laughs> I, you know, I, you know we're, we're a Middle East podcast. People committing terrible violent acts to each other is something that is, happens around the world, and, and, and the Middle East has more than its fair share of it. It is true that violence in America as a first world country is at a different level from everywhere else, and that is, I suppose, only a discussion that Americans can have with each other. And I'll just say that last year, 33,000 Americans were killed by firearms. Two-thirds of those were either accidents or suicide. The other 11,000 were murders, if you will. That equates to the fact that since Las Vegas happened, the same amount of people, another 60 people, have been murdered by guns in America. They've just happened in ones and twos and therefore don't make the news. So... By all means, you can have your vigils and and you know your talk show hosts, and we can all wring our hands in horror that you know fifty nine sixty people were killed. But in the time since we've had the chance to start recording this podcast, and in the time between now and when people listen to this podcast, another day or so, another sixty plus people will be dead in America, murdered by guns. So that's just where it is, and it's it's only for Americans and their political class to make the changes necessary and I would urge anyone listening to this to study the Israeli gun laws and to think that if a country like Israel which is surrounded by countries that are avowed to wipe it off the face of the earth that deals with terrorism on a daily basis can still have restricted seemingly sensible and coherent gun laws which require you to be checked and for you to justify why you want to carry a firearm, it beggars belief that Americans can't consider that laws like that wouldn't be sensible to have. And that's really all I can say. I would go a step further, not only the gun laws itself of Israel, but look at Israeli security at any high level event, right? Mm -hmm. This event, why did he get away with shooting for 10, 15 minutes? Where were police? Where was security? Well, I think, I think, I think it's, you know, it's very difficult in the situation that happened. He was 32 floors up at distance, you know, no one that was being shot at unless they also had rifles and could identify where he was firing from, which would have been very difficult because he was in a in a hotel room, probably back from the window, would have been able to identify him. I assume that people in the hotel rooms to the left and right were the ones that made the 911 calls that enabled the SWAT team to identify him. That's I think it's going to come out as being the obvious way in which it was identified where he was. As I understand it, the hotel at the Mandalay had a no-guns policy sorry i'm laughing at the idea that a hotel would need a no guns policy like that's a real fucking thing but it is but unless there were metal detectors of course at the mandalay and i i have not been to vegas actually so i don't know uh, without metal detectors he could have carried those guns in in a golf bags in in large luggage they could have been uh, disassembled he'd been there since i think the but 28th of september I hear what you're saying. I still have to say that in Israel, it's an immediate lesson learned. We know we're going to be under attack. We're very vigilant. You have certain events. If they're going to be big events, you square off the area. You check people's bags. And I know that wouldn't have stopped this. But I think that there is a mentality outside of Israel. Israel or the Middle East of it's happening over there. It's not happening to us. And that I think contributes to continued violence within America because there isn't enough security. Anyone that goes through security at the airport in America knows 
I believe you must think it's a joke because taking off my shoes because there was one shoe bomber, almost shoe bomber 15 years ago, is not how you're going to stop the next attack. And that's small minded. Whereas I think here in Israel, we don't check shoes because they get it. It's a profile. You're looking for something. You got to be on your game. They're watching you from the moment you step out of your car. Mm -hmm, They're mm -hmm. undercover agents looking around and checking. And that's what I'm talking about because I'm sorry, but I think in America, violence is very glorified. Watch any TV show. They'll censor a bad word, but they will not <laughs> censor all the shows that are the most popular have to do with violence, rage, gun glorification. I mean, your I know, video but Molly, game... I know, but Molly, but again, this is something that people come out and say, oh, you know, it's video games that are making. Well, you know, here in the UK, we watch all those American TV shows. We play all those video games. The difference, the difference, the big difference is that we do not have access to high capacity, right. military grade hardware to go and act out our fantasies if one of us goes crackers, goes crazy. And yes, you can quite rightly, uh, again, as people listen to this in America go, ah, yes, but if this chap had been in England and he had gone mad, he could just got in his car and started mowing people down in the high street. And that is absolutely true. And, of and course that's we, happening, by and, the way. And it's, and it's happened, and it's happened. It happens in Israel all the time. But, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, in Israel, when that has happened, there have been casualties and there have been deaths, but it has not been on the scale of 60-odd for kind of obvious reasons, that there are all sorts of practical reasons why, you know, you drive a car into a crowd, you'll only get so far before you hit an obstacle, before you are stopped. Or, of course, in Israel, you are stopped by the security forces or civilians who have got the right to carry firearms, who shoot you to death. Yeah. It's a, you know, the same with people saying, oh, yes, he could have just rushed in and started stabbing people. Absolutely. He could have stabbed people. That is true. And there's only so, realistically, only so many people he could have stabbed before he would have been stopped by armed security, armed police, wrestled to the ground. It would have been stopped very quickly. Yeah. Yes, he could have created a bomb. He could have created an IED. Again, that's happened here. It happens in Israel all the time. It's you know, it does happen. All of those things happen. That is not an excuse for not wanting to have some sensible laws. You know, back to Israel. Israel. All of those things happen. People use cars to kill people. People stab people suicide bombers all of those things happen and they are not a daily occurrence but a very very frequent occurrence and yet somehow israel has managed to put into place sensible gun laws at the same time these things are not mutually exclusive i think what's so fascinating also is the why factor of why things happen where it seems like people may be snapping in america here it's more deliberate terrorism often mm -hmm, attacking mm -hmm. symbolic figures like police officers like border patrol like the army or people that look very religious so standing for a cause in the mind of a yeah, absolutely there is a and I, i'm careful to use the word and it's not the right word but there is a rational reason you cannot agree with it and you can think it's wrong but you could see if you were palestinian and you are opposed to and i'm going to use the word occupation but don't everyone start being, you know, in, in the minds of a Palestinian. There is a, a very rational position to go from that to wanting to attack an Israeli, whether that's in a settlement or a police officer or just a, a civilian. You obviously can't agree with it and you can think it's completely wrong, but you can actually understand it. 
And you're right, in America there seems to be a wave of mental health problems in which it will be impossible to rationalise if a suicide note is found by this guy, you know, if he's posted something somewhere, if he's emailed someone with his reasons, they will not make any sense to anybody. I just see this whole world, it's like just a shit show. It's hard to even be satirical. You know, I don't know when the Mideast Beast is going to put something, if anything, funny out about this one, about ISIS claiming the attack, by the way. We have to talk (laughs) about that uh, when there seems to be no correlation. I mean, is that absurd that they're just like, oh, we did it. Like anything over 50 guys, just I know he's white. (laughs) I know he's an old fart, but like, let's put him as one of our guys. Let's call him a martyr. You look over to North Korea. This also made news this week that Kim Jong-un's brother was killed in an airport by two women who slapped Mm -hmm. acid on his face that basically shut down his nervous system. And they thought that they were doing a prank for a TV show. That's like their cause. This is a crazy world. It is easy and hard, that's what she said, to do these kinds of attacks and to write about them satirically. I mean, it's there. We, yeah, we can write it. I mean, that brings us on to something we were talking about before we came we came on air. The whole, you know, ISIS claiming it. We as a satire site, as a comedy site, the Mideast Beast, we've come under some further restrictions from Facebook on our site. It, it, I was going to say Donald Trump, but yeah. okay. But no, it, it's, it's very clearly had an impact on our traffic to our site because the way sort of the algorithms on Facebook and, and their uh, attempts to stop fake news, that's had an impact on, on us. You look at Alex Jones at Infowars last night and this morning, going off on some crazy rant about the fact this is all this is the beginning of a new civil war of the leftists that he's been talking about for some time and this is this is it now he's allowed to to have this crazy ass mad rant but in all intents and purposes you know further incites violence and paranoia and terror is, is terror by any other name alex jones i would suggest is the definition of a terrorist he is creating fear for political means. That is the dictionary definition of terrorism. I've got an MA in war studies, so it's one of the things that I feel reasonably confident that I can say. You could write the essay and get good marks on suggesting that he is pretty much the definition of a terrorist. And yet he's allowed to do that. There are no restrictions on him doing that. There are other websites that, as we mentioned, there was a, for a very brief period of time, there was this suggestion that his shooter might had attachments to ISIS. That was clearly nonsense. He was incorrectly identified as someone that had some connections to Antifa. Again, that, that's nonsense. And that's flooded the internet. And, you know, uh, that is very damaging. That is very scary because, you know, people will believe that. And then we go back to the start of our conversation about why does America have these problems? And the large part of that is fear. And, and what feeds that fear are a certain group of people that have a pulpit Unfortunately, the president of the country right now is one of those people that wants to feed this idea that there is danger around every corner and and therefore one of the things you should do is to arm yourself against it. (sighs) End of rant. Normally, Molly, it's you that rants, but today I thought I'd rant for a bit. I think I'm like most people and we're just stuck in our heads going, wait, what the fuck? You know, I think it's come to that sort of stage, at least for me, especially in doing the research. But if we're going to wrap it up, which I think we should, I see it as just do it in Israeli laws, right? Mm-hmm. Just copy, paste what we have as the gun laws as your first step and 
be aware that social media does have misinformation. Yep. And that Facebook is hurting the Mideast beast with their shit algorithms and that you should be getting your news from us, right? Yep. At least your fake news. And is there anything else you want to add? Close it up with your little ranty. Um, no, I think there have been some really good comments made by a number of the late night hosts of the of the evening talk shows and uh, there's been a collection of all of their comments some of which have been you know really really impressive really thoughtful uh, i forget which one it is um but one of them <laughs> well what, one what, of them uh, said something really great i don't remember what it was what, no I, I know what it was said i forget which one but basically he said i you know i arrived at my studio one of the writers handed me the talking points on mass killings because we did it all for Sandy Hook. And he said, when did it become normal that as a late night talk show comedian that my writers, we would actually have a file, a folder full of talking points on mass shootings. That was like a normal thing. It's become such a mundane thing that we actually have a bunch of stuff recently within, you know, months that we could talk about. That's what we've come to. And I thought that was very, very, very true and very sad. Very sad. Let's leave it on that somber note. Normally, we try to poke holes in the sadness with a little bit of humor. Uh, that is, We didn't do very satire. well this time. Hey, well, there is a too soon factor and we're trying to be gentle, but we could, of course, have the audience rate us on that and tell us if you do want us to poke more holes, to be a little more funny, to be more informative. What do you want from us? We're on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can subscribe there. The Mid-East Beast Podcast. Find us online, themideastbeast.com. On Twitter, follow us at Mideast Beasties and Facebook, The Mideast Beast. We always want to hear from you. Uh, it's not just about listening to Alex ranting, right? True. <laughs> you know, of course, we have to thank Scott. Uh, Scott Kahn, who is the editor and producer, who has to listen to your bloody rants all the time. Very not true. Mine. Very mine true. Mine are enjoyable. People love listening to me. <laughs> Until next week. Until next week, this has been another episode of The Mideast Beast Podcast.